0: Welcome to this
1: week's show. Mike and Gino here giving you honest opinions without any gimmicks. We're about six hours and 15 minutes before opening kickoff for the NFL's Super Bowl champion Eagles hosting the Atlanta Falcons Battle of the Birds. A lot of excitement in the air. Gino and I just had a fun time with our fantasy draft yesterday. We've put up some polls some good feedback. Let's start with that, Gino, before we segue into our guests. And maybe if we have time, we could talk a little bit about MLB pennant races because it's getting really tight.
2: Yeah, um, man, we we uh, we got some really good comments and um, some interesting thoughts on the NFL this season. I posted polls for basically each of the divisions. So who won the NFC? Who will win the AFC East? That was one of the uh, the chalkier ones 79% patriots and the jets had 10%. So the jets get a little love and the bills with 8 and the dolphins with 3. Who did people think were going to win the AFC North this season? That's the Steelers at 57%, the Bengals at 17, uh the Ravens at 16 and the Browns at 10. I've heard a little Bengals buzz over the last couple of weeks as a team that might be able to make some noise this year in what people aren't sure of as a strong division the AFC North. The AFC South, I was surprised at this one. The Jags actually took 58% of the vote with the Texans taking 27 and the Titans taking 11. I thought that one would be a little bit more spread out with uh, Watson coming back and a a more healthy Texans team. And even a Titans team that made it to the playoffs last year. The AFC West, the Chargers got 44% of the vote with the Chiefs 28, the Raiders 16, and the Broncos 12. The NFC East went to the Eagles 64%. With the uh, the Giants eighteen, the Cowboys eleven, and the Redskins seven percent, and the NFC North went to the Packers. It's not really a surprise. Forty seven percent of the vote there. Twenty seven percent went to the Vikes. The Bears got fifteen, and the Lions got eleven. Bears with the the Mac move are starting to also make a little bit of noise. And the NFC South, the Saints, who I know Mike's a big fan of, forty seven percent. Falcons thirty two. Uh, Panthers fifteen, and the Bucks got six. And then the NFC West. The Rams with an overwhelming 67% of the vote. The 49ers was 17, and then the uh, Cardinals and Seahawks both had eight. So, Mike, when we kind of g- roll through the divisions and we moved on to who was going to win the NFC, th- this was the one that actually got, I think, some of the most votes who will win the NFC this year. The Saints were a slight 33% over the uh, Rams, 28, the Vikings, 24, the Eagles, 15, but I had a lot of people that said, go about 10 deep, the conference is that good. That was Jake Lake. Um, Lambeau Leap, SZN, who do you think Lambeau Leap liked? He said the Packers, leaving them out is egregious. Uh, Kyle was also commenting in. Nice to hear from Kyle. Uh, Monique, who we're going to talk to a little later on, she likes the Saints there. We had uh, the Bears, John Reno, uh, Coots, Tony Mack also commenting, Chris Petit, and Muhammad Jama. So really good to get all the feedback out there. We love that, Mike. We want to get as many interactions You know what I like about it?
1: Yeah, you know what I like about it is uh, I saw Peter King earlier this morning give his predictions. He was on with the with the herd, and he also puts out a publication every week, does really, really good stuff. in-depth NFL, you know, insider uh, of all insiders, Peter King. And I couldn't believe it. He basically picked the exact same division winners as last year. I mean, it was just... Which almost never happens. It almost it never, never happens It never, ever happens. I was kind of surprised by him. But then I went back and looked year after year. He usually picks the chalk, and he usually picks teams from the previous year. It's hard to kind of envision how a team is going to move up or move down. But, but it every year, happens. you have, you have last place happens. teams. Yeah, you, you have last place teams finish first. First place teams finish last. Teams that were in the Super Bowl, missing the playoffs these are things that happen each and every year. So I'm excited. I've got some big time upsets some big time, like what the hell are you talking about kind of predictions. So when we have Madbacker on, we could get into that. Let's transition out of the NFL just for a brief few moments and talk college football. Obviously the season has started off with a bang. There's been a lot of exciting games already and um, you know, this is the time I think right when Labor Day passes, when I get really, really into football and college football is definitely a place where I think a lot of football fans this year are going to be spending most of their time, maybe even over the NFL for a lot of reasons that are you know, out there that we don't need to get into right now. And at the heartland of it all, the SEC, let's talk some SEC football. Let's talk some LSU football. We've got our first guest of the day, James Moran from the Tiger Rag publication which is the bible of anything lsu football baseball you name it in that region so james good morning well good afternoon for you how are you
3: doing well how are, how are you guys how are things out in la
1: everything is great man uh finally started to get a little bit cooler weather which is nice because we're going to be hitting into the 90s this weekend so we'll take a little bit of a reprieve here uh things are heating up in lsu land obviously a big opening game victory over Miami uh it kind of was a little bit costly though give me your all overall assessment uh about your observations of that game
3: well i i don't think i was you know i wasn't shocked that lsu was able to beat them but i, I was pretty surprised they were able to, to beat them as handily as they did you know i thought it would be a close game and whoever turned the ball over least would win and you know if you told me lsu got two turnovers and didn't give the ball away i I would have thought they would have won somewhere in the area of 17-14, you know, somewhere in there, because I wasn't all that impressed with what Miami had coming back. I, I really thought their quarterback was was kind of suspect, and obviously he didn't play particularly well, Malik Rogier. But, you know, the LSU offensive lot was, you know, they weren't great. The offensive line still has work to do. They dropped a bunch of balls. They, they had some procedural penalties, but they got a really solid debut out of their new quarterback, Joe Burrow, the Transfer from Ohio State. Their their new kicker, Cole Tracy, kicked four field goals, including a, a 54 yarder. If you followed them last year, you know that that obviously was a bit of an Achilles heel for them last year. They they really struggled kicking field goals. They allowed a lot of left a lot of empty possessions and empty red zone trips on the board in some of the games they lost last year. So I you know I think this team like does my does my opinion of where this team's going drastically changed? Not really. I think maybe now they're more of an eight- or nine-win team than a seven- or eight-win team with, with what I saw from Burrow. But, uh, you know, they were always going to be a strong defense, and, you know, we're still waiting to see more from some of their skill position guys. It was a really good debut as a starter for Nick Brissette, their running back. But uh, this is still a, I think we won't know a lot more about this team until they go to Auburn in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you know,
1: let's uh, let's stick to the quarterback for a quick second, the Ohio State transfer junior, Joe Burrow. What, what, what do you think is his ceiling? We, we, it looked like he managed the game um, pretty well for a first game. You know, there was, it was a nice, nice game overall. You know, he had some key completions or whatnot, but overall, you know, he didn't wow anybody. Obviously, his first game into the system. You know, where, where do you see this headed in terms of a passing attack from a team that's traditionally, a, a, you know, a running team?
3: Uh, I think they could be a good, a decent, balanced offense. You know, I don't think they're going to light it up by any stretch of the imagination, you know, I think there's going to be, and we won't really know until they get put in a position where they have to throw it, we'll see if they can do it, but I think Burrow is ready to be a productive player, I mean, if you look at the amount of drops they have, they probably left about 70 or 80 yards out there on the field just in terms of guys that were running free and dropped the ball, you know, I mean, if you add that into his numbers, it looks like a little bit more of a a good statistical debut, but... He, he was really good at the things that you know you you wouldn't expect a guy who's who's only been on campus for a couple months to be good at. You know, he he, he seemed like he had a real understanding of the offense. You know, the the fifty yard touchdown run by Nick Bosa that was an audible by Joe Burrow at the line of scrimmage. They converted a big fourth down on a where he checked to a different run play right before the that, that let set up their second touchdown. You know, so I I, I was very impressed with the way that he kind of led the team and you know that's what we'd heard since he got here that he's a you know he's a he's a football rat you know he's a coach's son he's he's always in the film room he's he's trying to learn the offense he kind of ingratiated himself to his teammates the right way but, you know all those things that you want to hear about your quarterback and besides off the field on the field I, I don't know I think he, he he looked comfortable throwing the ball I mean he he seemed pretty accurate you know they haven't had a lot of big arm accurate quarterbacks at LSU normally it's Either a guy like they had last year, Danny Etling, who's kind of a pure game manager. I think Burrow has more of a higher ceiling than Etling did last year, but he also doesn't have as much talent around him. So I'm, I'm curious to see what this offense looks like when they're forced to really put the pedal to the metal at some point, which, you know, they were up 30-3 to three near halftime on, on Sunday night in my, against Miami. So I think they kind of dialed it back, and that was probably the right decision in the second half. I think you heard my
2: dogs uh, jump in because they, they had a question that we they wanted me to ask you because we're USC fans over here. So uh, we have to start at the top with Coach O. What are your overall kind of thoughts and feelings of Coach O? Because out here at USC, I, I was a big fan of him uh, as a coach. I love what he does as how he's able to kind of inspire the guys, you know, defensively, especially the defensive front, you're going to be in great shape there. But the thought with Coach O was always maybe he's not, the type of guy that can be a head coach, I will say, his last eight to ten games though he's done a very very good job and he's been pretty impressive. What's the overall view that you have just of Coach O in that head coaching spot?
3: Well, I think he has a plan. You know, that's that's the one thing that seems that you, he has a plan. You know, they're obviously they kept Dave Miranda, defensive coordinator. He's really one of the guys that that keeps the program going. I mean, he's He's as good as anybody out there at what he does. Um, he's very determined to show that he is not the coach he was at Old Miss. You know, you still see, you know, there, there were some things that are concerning. The, the breakup with Matt Canada, obviously there's probably blame to go around on both sides, but that wasn't necessarily a good look, kind of hiring two coordinators in two years. But I think if you know Ed, you knew that he, he probably wanted to hire Steve Ensminger all along, and now this is his staff. They're, they're recruiting the way he wants to recruit. I, I, you know, the things that he's good at, he's very good at. He's a very good recruiter. He's a very good motivator. You know, he, you, we've never seen LSU come out flat under him the way they used to at times under Les Miles where it seemed like they were sleepwalking. Um Is, is he going to be good enough in terms of, you know, the big picture stuff where they're going to win? I, I don't know. You know, I think we'll just have to wait and see, but. He, he definitely has a plan. Whether or not that plan is going to work out or not, that we'll only know as uh, kind of the years go on.
1: You'd mentioned uh, Auburn in a couple of weeks. LSU's got a pretty difficult schedule. I mean, when Man, you it's look brutal. at it. You brutal. Brutal. You know, they're at Auburn, uh, a West, a SEC West Division foe, uh, at Florida, 25th ranked team, at or at home against Georgia on October 13th. Well,
2: how about that I month? Mean, that's just a. I mean, they that's go just Florida, a... Georgia, Mississippi State, and Alabama, all in a row. I mean, that's going to be a, a pretty murderous row from about Saturday, October the sixth through November the third. That, exactly. That's basically going that to break me, the year.
3: That that stretch that you just talked about—that's to me why I thought the Miami game was as pivotal as as anybody's season opener around the country. Because I mean, if you're, I, I thought two things about LSU that I thought they were probably better than we all kind of thought they were, but that it was hard to see them doing much better than we all thought they would because of the sheer difficulty of the schedule. You know, those things aren't mutually exclusive. They could be a good team or a pretty good team and still only win seven or eight games with that schedule. I mean, if you're trying to talk about winning eight or nine games, which I think would be a pretty good year, you know, obviously their their aim is higher, but when you look at that schedule, I think we'd all agree that nine wins would be a pretty good year. I just didn't see a roadmap to that if they didn't beat Miami in the opener. Because, I mean... Obviously, Alabama and Georgia; those are those are the two teams that played for a title a year ago. At Auburn, even if you know Auburn coming off a top ten win of their own, even if you don't think Auburn's that good historically, LSU almost never wins in Auburn. That's it. You know, they really didn't want to go into next week at one and one with kind of the heat being on. You know what I'm saying? And then, obviously, I, honestly, I think Mississippi State might be the third hardest game on their schedule. I think that team's <laughs> really good and a real sleeper in the West, and at Florida, in theory, A&M could be better. They're going there at the end of the year with Jimbo Fisher. I'm not an A&M believer yet, but I, you know, you never know. They're probably going to lose to them one of these years because they haven't lost to them since A&M joined the conference. So I thought if they were going to win eight or nine games, I just they had to win that opener. And now that they did, you can kind of, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not going nuts. I still don't see a roadmap to ten wins, but I, I think that they're a little bit better of a team than... <laughs> maybe we all
1: thought they were. Yeah, and you know, while you and Gino are kind of more focused on the uh, really, really tough part of the schedule, latter part of the year, I am still more interested in the early part of the schedule. That's kind of where I was going with that is that you have to get the Miami win. And if you can, you know, get yeah,
3: exactly, you uh, have to, if you can get it, even if you have a loss, if you get it out of the way early, really quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, even if you have a loss, if you get it, we've seen if you have it earlier in the year, the better. So if you're going if, if historically you're going to lose against Auburn, you might as well do it. You know, in and, and one of the first two or three games, on the road.
0: Of the season, right, yeah, and on, and the on the road.
1: Right. So to me, the key game if they really, really want to be playing in meaningful games later in the year is probably that Georgia game. They got you got them at home. And if you could pull off a win there, who knows? Sky's the limit there, right? Yeah, I could see I think
3: I think that could put a scare into Georgia. I, I just don't see them beating Alabama the way the way Alabama's throwing the ball. I just don't see anybody beating Alabama, really, now that they've got a quarterback that's slinging it around the way Tua Tagovailoa is, but, you know, that's why they play the game, so I guess we'll see. Yeah, they, are, they were
1: hard enough before I they think could throw, they, right?
3: I mean, if they could go 2-2 two and two in that four-game stretch, then that's pretty good, <laughs> you know?
1: Absolutely. Because this Absolutely. team does
3: still have some holes.
1: We are talking with James Moran with, tiger rag i was reading a piece that you wrote the other day you alluded to it uh, earlier in the conversation about nick Brissett. Uh, i think the title or basically the gist of the article was regarding his patience why is it that he was coming into the year possibly even third on the depth chart especially after having a rock star high school career you know has he not grasped the offense or wh- wh- what have been his limitations um to finally um, now did, allow well, him to explode he never
3: the- seemed particularly good you know I mean, and plus, I mean, you got to look at the guys he's been sitting behind. I mean, when he, he got to campus the same year as Leonard Fournette, uh, or a year after Leonard Fournette, rather, so he spent two years behind Leonard Fournette, and then he spent a year behind Darius Geis and Darrell Williams, yeah. all of whom kind of passed him on the depth chart. And to this po- up, to, up to the point of Sunday, his most memorable moment was getting the start against Troy last year, fumbling his first carry, and having Ed Orgeron refer to him as the third string back after the game, after they that's lost to Troy, and that's, you know, shocking, to you know, so he was, yeah, he was hurt earlier in his career, and he just never seemed, he never really seemed very explosive, and, you know, at LSU, they'll, they recruit a lot of good running backs, and they'll, they'll recruit right over guys, and, you know, I think people were always kind of waiting for it to happen, and waiting for it to happen, he's got a, really good person he's got a really good backstory you know he's his mom had cancer his, his brother died when he was younger and people always kind of tried to I thought elevate him above what his role actually was just because that's kind of the nature of it with with local reporters you know everyone always wants to kind of write about and believe in the hometown guy but he did, he's never seemed very good but on Sunday he was awesome I mean he he was more explosive than I'd ever seen him he was he was more physical than I'd ever seen him he was making guys miss in the hole. He was converting big fourth down and goal line situations. And, you know, frankly, I thought that he would lose this job pretty quickly to one of the younger backs, whether it's a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, a, a more shifty guy, or a Chris Curry, a more powerful guy. But if he's going to run like he did on Sunday, then, then maybe this is the year that I guess people would always kind of prophesize for him, but through a number of circumstances, it never happened.
1: Good analysis there. We're talking about the LSU Tigers. Big, big uh, mover in the uh, polls from the 25th-ranked team to 11, moved up 14 slots after that impressive win against Miami. Love to be able to stay in touch with you throughout the season, James, and maybe get some periodic updates, especially after some big wins. If that's okay with you, we will touch base with you probably after that Auburn game. All
3: right, sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me on outstanding
1: awesome. james before you let you go why don't you let the listeners know where they can find your work and how they can follow you on social media i think he may have dropped off so well, let's let just me, do that let, for him.
2: i was gonna say you go to uh, at twitter at smartest moran and then his uh the tiger rag is at tiger underscore rag so uh either of those and you'll get pretty much everything that uh that James is doing, and really good follow. I love to talk Coach O because, you know, Mikey, I was kind of a Coach O fan myself, and the way that I'm I'm promising you there's a lot of USC fans right now that would do the trade right now, Helton for Coach O. Because what the Trojans kind of lack are what Coach O brings and what James was saying that Coach O always will bring you. You're going to have a strong defensive front, and you're always going to be ready to start the game. You're going to be pumped up and you're going to be ready to come out firing. Now, we don't know if he's going to be able to make adjustments in big games, but we do know that he gets the guys pumped up and ready to go. So I've always been a big Coach O fan and uh, I wouldn't mind if he was coaching my Trojans right now, I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't... You know, guys like him, Norm Chow, even Helton, I, I consider them great coaches, not elite head coaches. So well, I'm
2: not necessarily – More a coordinators it. than coaches.
1: Yeah, but I, I think they could get you through maybe a, a quality season or I
2: two. I feel that but, way about Helton. I just, yeah. I, I don't quite feel that – we'll see. I think the jury's still out on Coach O. I just – I like the fact that he's at least emotional. He – versus – him and Helton are both coordinators. I completely understand what you're saying, but I think they're opposite in personality. Helton's much more of a stoic, steady type guy, whereas Coach O is going to get you fired. Like, I want my pat on the butt from Coach O because I'm going to go run through a brick wall.
1: Yeah, and you know what? Neither formula to me makes for an elite coach, and
0: that's yeah, all I'm trying to say.
1: That
2: it's, I, I don't disagree. I'm kind of just saying I would prefer Coach O right now for me as a Trojan fan. Sure. I don't necessarily know if either one of them could beat Saban you know, in a bowl game when you got a month to prepare. I'm not yeah. quite sure if they're at that level. I agree on that.
1: I, I think I, I think where you're going with it maybe is that perhaps Coach O resonates a little bit better with college athletes. And yeah, I, I, I and I would that's, agree that's with point. that. Yeah. I, I yeah. think that's the assessment. So yeah. hey we're we're up against the clock for a first commercial break. Let's take that and we'll continue back on that thought of the NFL the division by division analysis with the mad backer. So stay with us. We will be back in a brief moment.
2: your internet flagship
0: station for sports, Voice of America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at one 346 9144 That's one 346 9144 Or send an email to mike at show.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. We hope you enjoyed some uh, college
1: football talk there, LSU talk with James Moran. We are going to continue with our NFL preview show, go over some division by division analysis. Also talk to you guys about the results of the poll that we put out there. And which, uh, You know
2: which one got the most votes of any of the polls? Which, which was it? Which team will have the worst record in the NFL this season? Now I got the most votes of any of them. And, uh, isn't, that, had, isn't
1: it almost easier maybe to, to, to figure out who the worst team is? It is. The best it really is? is.
2: Well, I think there's probably – there's a group of um – you'd probably say five or six that I think has the opportunity to be one of the worst teams this year. I put Bills, Dolphins, Buccaneers, and Cardinals there. Um, A lot of folks are saying – Gino, you know, where are the Browns? I I think the Browns are going to be a little bit improved this year, and I don't think that the division is the strongest. Um, let's see, who else were some of the other? Yeah, Ruben was saying the Browns improved that much. Um, A couple that you're not going to like to hear, close your ears, Mike, Raiders. We got a few for the Raiders, people thinking that maybe Gruden and the Raiders um, not going to be great after they're getting rid of Mack. But um, funny to see that that was the one that got the most response. 52% of people say the Bills, 27 the Bucks, 12 the Dolphins, and 9 the Cardinals. Well, I'm going to shock everybody then when I have
1: one of those teams that you just mentioned as a division winner.
2: Wow! Yep. Wow, that is pretty (laughs) shocking. That is pretty shocking. Well, let's start to uh, let's start to rattle through it. Then division by division. Um, Let's kind of start with the NFC because we will see the Super Bowl champion NFC. uh, We the Super Bowl champions in the NFC East kick off their season on Thursday with the Eagles. Um, So Eagles, Dallas, Giants, Washington. Um, Who do you like in this division to have a good year? Who do you think is going to be? You know, a little bit overrated. What's your overall view of this division? This is going to be a three-horse
1: race between Dallas, the Giants, and Philly. Dallas is going to win the NFC East. Wow! The other, the other two teams are going to be really, really trying hard to vie for a wild-card spot, and I don't give it to either of them. Philadelphia misses the playoffs after winning the Super Bowl.
2: Okay, I'm, this is where I'm going to go a little opposite. I think Washington has a sneaky schedule. Now, if you listen to Washington's schedule a little bit, they start at Arizona. That's a winnable game. They play at home against Indy. Then they play at home against Green Bay. So they get a a Green Bay team that's probably tough at home. They go at New Orleans, which is a tough game. Then they get Carolina and Dallas at home. They go at the Giants. They get Atlanta at home. They play at Tampa, which shouldn't be that tough of a game. Then they get Houston at home. So what I like about Washington is some of their non-divisional tough games – are at home. They could sneak a couple victories there. They could be an eight-nine type win team and be right in the mix because that's what I see this division, Mike. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a ten-win team in here. I really don't. I don't think Philly's going to be that good again this year. They look like eight to nine wins. Dallas has some tough games um, at Carolina. You don't know what we're going to get from Seattle, but they also play at Houston and the Jags. So I think this, to me, is going to be a very contentious division with. Uh, A couple eight and nine win teams, and I do think Washington, if they can win, if they get a win right off the bat, they could be two and one, three and zero to start the season if they can sneak a win against Green Bay, and that might be enough to make the difference for them. At the so we're
1: we're kind of similar in that we've got a you know not not, a non-favorite winning the division, and then we have neither uh, none of the other guys who were left out get a wild
0: card spot.
2: Yeah, I agree. I'd agree on that. Um, We move to a fun. NFC: uh, Vikings, Packers, Bears, Detroit. Um, take it away, Mikey.
1: I got Green Bay winning the division narrowly over the Vikings. I think Detroit's going to have a nice season. Nice, maybe being eight and eight. I'm not sure. You know, anytime you've got a, a, a drastic coaching change and and change in philosophy, change in system, offensively, defensively, it's really hard to predict how it all's going to sort itself out. I'd give them maybe a couple years under Patricia, but. Chicago will be in the cellar, Halil Mack or not. So I got pack bikes, lions bears.
2: What's crazy is if you look at the difference between the Vikings and the Packers start to the season, the Vikings have a really tough start. They play at San Fran or they play at home against San Fran, which is kind of a wild card team. We just don't know what to expect from the 49ers this year. They play at green Bay and they play Buffalo, but then they play at the Rams and at Philly. They could very easily be two and three in their first five games. Then you look at the Packers. They play the bears and Minnesota at home at Washington, Buffalo at Detroit, and then San Fran, there's five or six wins in there for the Packers. So I think they're going to get out firing. Um, they might be, pretty let, let me say this though.
1: I think you, you spend more time than myself analyzing the schedule. And, oh, yeah, and the reason, you have to. the reason why I, I, I kind of, I, I look at it. But to me, it's not the the tipper of the scales, if you will, is mainly because of this. Going into last season, had you and I had this exact same conversation and would looked at the schedule, we would have thought that the Rams, the Vikings, the Eagles were potentially winnable games. We didn't think those would be the top three teams in the conference. So there's so much, you know, you and I agree that there's so much uncertainty each and every year and teams going from last place to first, place. same thing with the Jags, by the way. So if you would have looked at a team that was playing those, you know, any of those clubs, you would have given them probably wins but, or three out of four difference.
2: wins. That's a you tough might, part. You might not have though. Cause you like the Jags. It's all about who you like and how you value each team. Right. Because when I look at teams, like, I obviously, I value the Washington Redskins a little more than you do. You value a game against the Dallas Cowboys more than I do. Sure. So I think a lot of it has to do with how you value each team going into the season. So for me, you know, some games that other people might think is a loss, I think is a win. So I think, to me, it's very important to look through most of the games. Because I'm not going to project an injury, or I'm not going to project things like that. Yeah,
1: that's impossible. You yeah. know,
2: that's it's impossible to do. But I am going to project that, you know what, if this team stays healthy, the Packers could should and very easily could be 6-0 and to start, be- mainly because they don't have a tough road game before the bye. Their road games are at Washington and at Detroit, and I think a Green Bay Packers team at home could probably beat any team in the NFL. You know, yeah, so, I get your logic. I, I so, think for
1: me, when I look at it, I say, you know what? Um, what are the odds that I'm going to be right on all of them? Sure. I'm probably not. So I'm not going to necessarily put a ton of weight into schedule. Oh, but you Although but I do. I do like home every and road. Game
2: though. every horse race, every everything, because I, for me, I think that's where I get my advantages. I went through every single game, looking. Okay, this team I think is going to lose, win, lose, win. Maybe here in in between game that's just kind of the way that I kind of come to now I know what this team season is going to be like, because you could think a team is going to be good, but man, like if they have a tough schedule or if they have like a, a string of games where they go, you know, on the road, on the road, on the road, maybe they're not going to win. You know, they're going to, they're going to, there's going to be a game in the middle where they maybe lose to a team that they should have beat. And that, that you know, your schedule a lot of times does in fact, like we just talked about with LSU, they got a murderer's row in the middle and they, they might, Overlook that game against Ole Miss because they're looking to the game at Florida, and a lot of times that that can really matter and change your whole season. So, um, I yeah, I definitely go really into it. Like with the Bears, I think they're sneaky. The Bears play the NFC West and the AFC East as two divisions. So we all know we all don't think highly of the AFC East when you're going to have Miami, the Jets, and Buffalo, and the Pats. Those are three out of four of those games are probably not going to be tough. For the Bears, you know, or not as tough as playing, um, you know, if you're having to play against the, you know, uh, the Saints, the Falcons and the Panthers. That's a much more difficult division, at least right now. So, yeah, for I me- mean,
1: I think your logic is sound. I mean, there, there's no flaws in your logic. For me, I focus more on rosters, especially in terms of depth. I look to see, OK, if they lost some key offensive linemen, how are they going to survive? When I did that last year with the Packers, I knew if they lost any old linemen, that they'd be screwed. And if they did, that Aaron Rodgers might get hurt. And that's exactly what happened. Not that I predicted that. I was just looking at it from a depth perspective. You know, Packers are a team. They don't usually invest draft picks on linemen. They get they get their linemen through their development of undrafted free agents. So typically speaking, you're not going to have a ton of depth when you go about it that way. So I think we've given the listeners how you analyze, how I analyze, just for the sake of being able to rip through all these divisions. Yeah, Atlanta, Panthers,
2: Saints, Tampa. This is a fun division, man. This is a division that yearly could have three playoff teams really every year. Tampa's looking like one of the seller teams. But for me, I'll start. And the same thing as I go through the schedule. How about the Saints? They start with home against Tampa, home against Cleveland, at Atlanta, and then at the Giants – then they play Washington at home, so they have three home games and their two away games are at Atlanta and at the Giants. They should very easily be four and one before they're by. I think the Saints are going to be tough to catch.
1: I think so too. That to me is 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 my division winner, um, and and I have Atlanta finishing uh, second and snagging one of the wild card spots, and followed by Carolina and Tampa. I wish Jameis Winston was uh, available for the entire season because I'd like to see what their progression is like with Coach Dirk Cutter. Big fan of Coach cutter Uh, I'm personal friends with him root for him Uh, unfortunately this may be his last season in Tampa. I mean because if you look at
2: Tampa like stop me when you get a win at Saints versus the Eagles versus Pitt at the Bears at Atlanta maybe the Browns at home then they go at Cincy at Carolina Washington even at the Jets you know like Tampa's not a a great team right now so they're gonna be I think three wins maybe towards the very very bottom Uh, then the NFC West Man, the Rams have made some moves out here, Mikey, but what's crazy, talk about another interesting quirk to the schedule. They don't leave California until October the 7th. They play oh, at the, they play at the Raiders, then they play home against Arizona, home against the Chargers, home against Minnesota, and then when they do leave, they go to Seattle, and then when they leave after that, they go to Denver. So even when they travel, they don't really travel anywhere. Until they have to move to and they a tough game at New Orleans in the middle of the season, they get to stay very, very West Coast centralized for you know the first seven or eight weeks.
1: Yeah, I got the Rams winning that division, and then I have Seattle getting the the other wild card spot. People are Do just
2: really mean, getting re, like jumping off Seattle too soon. I don't, I don't understand. To be that bad, I think I they're understand. still going to be around five hundred team. And they're yeah. going to be maybe, you know, one or two wins away from a playoff, a playoff spot. Look, they got Russell Wilson.
1: And to me, Russell Wilson is going to be in the MVP conversation year in, year out. I love Russell Wilson. I think Pete Carroll's got another, uh, you know, bag of tricks up his sleeve. I, I think they're a second wildcard team, followed by Arizona. And then in the cellar, the San Francisco 49ers, who we just don't know enough about to be able to make project them to be a playoff team. And the one of the, the teams that's taken the most money in Vegas and all sorts of nonsense.
2: I think what you just said, there are, I think both of the West divisions in the NFC and the AFC are the ones that I don't really know how to gauge, right? We know the Rams are going to be good, but what are we going to get from San Fran, from Seattle or Arizona? That's where I'm not quite sure. And keep in mind, Arizona, forget last year, look at the year before. They were a pretty
1: good team, and now they've got Bradford, and now they've got a quarterback that they're developing, right? They still have offensive weapons. They've got some interesting playmakers on defense. I don't know. That could be a surprise team. I think they could be a surprise team that makes some noise and has a say in terms of who wins that division. But the Rams are just too talented on both sides of the ball. So let's transition to the AFC. Gino, give us your East selections.
2: Yeah, um yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how you can go against the Pats. Uh, at, when they get six games against the Jets, Bills, and Miami, yeah, they're going to be really tough in there. I do think Sam Darnold and the Jets, um, a lot of it, you know, as, as we've seen, is because of their schedule. Games at Detroit versus Miami, at Cleveland. Um, then they play at Jacksonville, which would be a tough game. But Denver, Indy, and Minnie at home, I think the Jets can win a couple games that we, we don't expect them to win. And I don't think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. I think they'll be closer to like a 5-6 win team and, and a little closer to 500 than to a, a zero-win team?
1: You heard it here first. Miami Dolphins are going to win the AFC East. Oh, my God. Come New on. England Patriots are going to miss the playoffs. So I've got the Dolphins,
2: Pats, Buffalo, Jets in the cellar. What's what, So what's Miami's record going to be? 10-6. and six. I mean, so they're beating New England.
1: Time, time, Time is going to catch up to New England, and it's the first time that we've ever seen some – Some uh, dents in the armor of of New England. I don't disagree. I I don't think they've got enough firepower, and Brady is a year older, and Belichick doesn't seem to be in sync with ownership as he has in years past. And I think ultimately it catches up to, you know, you could only, here's the thing with an aging team, you could only get by having the last pick in the first round and in the second round and in the third round for so many years. When Brady was 30, you could do it, right? When he's 40, you can't. This is the year that they finally missed the playoffs.
2: I don't disagree with almost everything you said about the Patriots, except I just don't like the rest of the division. That's the problem. Like if if you gave me another team besides the Bills, Miami or the Jets that was in there, I would say yes. But I don't think Miami can beat the Patriots, even a bad Patriots team, because I just I'm not I'm not really sold much on Miami. I I know what they tried to do; they tried to get rid of some of their big name guys, but I don't really like what they got back. I do like their coaching staff. I still think they're about a year away, though. They got rid of Jarvis Landry, who was, you know, their possession best player. Sue was another one. Um, I I don't know even Ajay. I, I think Drake's fine, and they're. But some of their skill players I worry about. I'm not quite sure about their receiving core. So I'm just a little concerned. They have tough games at Houston, um, at Minnesota, and at Green Bay. Mm, Yeah, so we're going to differ in that one. But I'll be giving you praise all throughout the year if Miami is having a good one. Um, For me, Pittsburgh, they just, I, I wanted to really try to find a way to defeat Pittsburgh. What's crazy about their schedule? How about this one, Mike? They play five divisional games in their first eight. And then they only have one divisional game in their final eight, which is so crazy. You very rarely see that because usually you end with, you know, one or two of your divisional games. But they play Cleveland twice, Cincy and Baltimore right off the bat. And then they end the the season with Cincy. But they they have a lot of, you know, Carolina at Jacksonville, at Denver versus New England and at the Saints. That's a tough end of the schedule for Pittsburgh. They're going to have to start fast and kind of beat up on the division early on.
1: All right, so let's uh so for me Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincy, that's my order. Let's rip through these cuz we're about to uh, get to our next commercial. In the south, I have the Texans winning that division. Yeah, I think they're by nine Jacksonville. Or ten wins. Yep, followed by Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Indy. How about you in the south?
2: Yeah, I'm uh Houston 9 or 10 wins, uh then Tennessee. I think Jacksonville takes a step back this year. Um, I think Tennessee and Jags will be close. Like, Jacksonville looks like a 6-7 loss team. Tennessee's going to be right around 500. The Colts look like a 9 or 10 loss team to me. And then when we move out west, Denver's one of my sneaky teams, Mike. I think they can be a 500 team, and with a little bit of luck, they might be able to win 9 or 10 games. Um, I don't really like the Raiders. I think they're going to start either 3-3 and or 2-4. and um, And then... They have games where, as I mentioned, with teams that I don't know what I'm going to get from Seattle, San Fran, and Indy. So for me, it's going to be the Chargers. I think the Chargers will win 10 games. Casey will probably win nine. Denver will, won't be too far behind them with eight. And then I think Oakland brings up the rear in the, uh, in the AFC West.
1: Kansas City wins that division, hands down. Oakland snags the wild card spot, Chargers miss the playoffs, Denver is in the cellar. My AFC Championship is Pittsburgh versus Kansas City. Mr.
2: Non-Proven is telling me Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback you've never seen play, is a hands-down winner. And you don't like the unproven Giants or you don't or 49ers or the unproven teams, but you're fine with unproven Mahomes. Oh,
1: Kansas City is very, very proven and but Pat Mahomes is, is a stud. Listen, and you need no, knows player. more he's than anyone. I'm just us giving you a hard time. I, yeah, I, I
2: mean, think he's going to be a very good
1: player. I think yeah. he's an absolute stud. So Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Kansas City gets to the Super Bowl. In the NFC, I have the Rams against the Saints. The Saints win that game. The Super Bowl is going to be a super exciting shootout. Kansas City and New Orleans. The Saints winning one more for Breeze. Why don't you give us your pick and then we get to commercial?
2: Okay, so you have the Saints winning the Super Bowl. I think the Rams are going to be in the Super Bowl. I really do. I think they're just very, very tough. And I think in the AFC this year, uh, yeah, let's go. Let's just go Rams, Pitt. Yeah. There you have it, folks. We'll continue the conversation in
1: a brief moment. Please stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football.
0: Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, And what's next from the colleges to the pro teams? It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the Mike Now, back to this week's program.
1: NFL prediction time. And we promised you the Mad Backer, Adrian Ross, would be joining us. He's got a very busy schedule, so we're just going to have him come on and give us his Super Bowl pick, his upset pick, and then we will get to Monique, the parlay queen, talk a little bit about some of these weekend's games. So, Big A, Mad Backer, how are you, my friend? What's,
4: what's going on, fellas? I'm good. I'm good. Good. How, how, oh, yeah. are
1: you, how, how are you feeling, first of all, opening night here? for Kickoff is in, uh, what, five hours and change?
4: oh man i'm 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 excited, man. I'm excited for the season. I mean you know, we got the new rules and just the new uniforms and everything. I think it's just like a new n f l and they're they're making us as the fans have to get used to all the new stuff, so I think it's you know now it's an exciting time to see what's going to happen and who's going to do what yeah, exactly so.
1: I I hope we can schedule you next week for a more in-depth conversation, talk about Le'Veon Bell, Nike, the Khalil Mack trade. But for now, why don't you give us who your Super Bowl teams are, or contenders at least, and then we'll uh, have Uh, our breakdown barbershop top next week.
4: Okay, okay. Well, I'm going to go NFC, AFC, and I'm going to go into NFC. Um, I think the the Rams have the talent, but I don't think that they're going to know how to really – go against some of the other teams that really know how to get it done. So I'm going to go with the Vikings. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings up in the NFC. Um, And I think it'll be the Rams. The the Rams or saying to them that they'll play against um, up in the championship. In the AFC, I got the Houston Texans. (laughs) Yeah, I got the Houston Texans
2: versus uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. Hey, okay. there we right. go. Nice. So, a well, good year for Watson. Watt stays healthy. I mean, that Texans team is talented. For them, it's just been health the last couple of years.
4: Right. You know, now they got uh, Tyron Matthew over there, you know, because I think a lot of their stuff was just, I mean, they have New England beat yep. almost the last two years. But it's, it's last play, it's just, I mean, this dumb play, this guy gets behind you, oh, they win the game. They beat you with the third string quarterback. <laughs> so that's no why doubt. You can't so count the Patriots out though, because coaching, you know. That's true.
1: So who's your Super Bowl uh, winner
4: or matchup and winner? Woo! Uh, I have the, the Texans. I'll go the Texans versus the Vikings. Who wins?
2: Ooh,
0: uh,
4: Texans win.
0: I knew you were
2: taking them I mean, all yeah, the way. Yeah, I like it. That's a fun matchup. I nice. like it. Yeah. You're right, high so on Big the Texans a. this
1: year. That's fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, Big A, can we bring you back next week, and maybe you can give us a little bit more justification? Or we'll see if you want to amend it after the first week's games, huh?
2: Definitely. Okay. <laughs> you get a, you get a right. shot, yeah.
1: <laughs> nice, Big A. Well, will we appreciate right, right. you taking a minute to, to, to ring us here. We'll, we'll circle up with you next week. And uh, drive safe, my friend.
4: All oh, right, I appreciate it. All right, fellas. All right. Thank Great. you.
2: Uh, awesome.
1: Hey. All right, Gina. Let's uh let's talk to the
2: Parlay Queen. She's our oh, yeah, only five time guest. It's been a while. Um, I Monique. Let's see. In in the last couple of months, I've seen some baseball bets, um, some prop bets, maybe some WNBA, even in there, some MMA. You'll really do anything when there's no football, just to try to stay, uh, just to stay in it and uh, to have a little action, huh? And I even saw a hits True. controversy. True. Well, how can I can you add up number? No WNBA, but everything else, <laughs> I'm definitely
5: guilty of. <laughs>
1: and, and Monique, how about the hits controversy? It's over under on hits, we can't even add it up, right? What's up with that?
5: <laughs> oh, I really don't know. It's yeah. But they They're finally corrected crazy. it, right?
1: <laughs> but they finally corrected it and 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 gave you the over on the hits, right?
5: Oh yeah, they did. They did. They got back to me pretty much right away. It was weird because I knew there was a delay that happened in the bet. So they were delayed on the the site I used, and they were delayed on uh, MLB.com. So I knew maybe that had something to do with it, and they were so quick to grade at a loss. And I, I knew it was a win, and I was I was second-guessing myself. I'm like, is that really a hit? Could that be an error? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm pretty confident it's a hit. But thankfully, everything was settled correctly. Otherwise, I'd be really upset. <laughs>
2: Well, Monique, we appreciate you You were getting involved yesterday on Twitter and you were giving us some of your thoughts on the polls and teams that you liked and teams that you didn't like, so let's take a few of your season-long thoughts. I think you said you had three teams that you have totals on that you're going to play this year, so uh, give us your thoughts on a couple of the teams and how they fare season-wide.
5: Yeah, so there's three that stood out for me and they were all unders, and uh, you know what, it's going to be a year. I feel as Fairly predictable. I don't think there's going to be one of those teams that start at the bottom and go to the top. Like a lot of people are buying into the Browns hype. I mean, I got to see it to believe it. Uh, so, so I'm kind of on the unders on a lot of these teams that were pretty mediocre last year. I like the Bucks under six and a half, uh, Broncos under seven and a half, and Dolphins under six and a half. So when I'm picking one of these teams, I like to really dissect the schedule. And for me, if I'm going to be taking over on a team's win total, I really like to have a couple games at least wiggle room. So if the total is six and a half, I want to see seven games that I think they can truly win. And then those games that are kind of on the fence, you go one way or another, and then you'll get a couple wins there, hopefully. But there's a lot of teams that are just really mediocre this year and I I don't see much improvement out of the Dolphins and the Bucks and I think the Broncos are one of those teams that the defense is definitely there but I just think they're going to struggle to put points on the board.
2: So it's funny in this we are Mike and I would are both in agreement with you on the Bucks. I'm in agreement with you on the Bucks and the Dolphins. Um, but I do like the Broncos a little bit. But then Mike's team that he likes a lot is the Dolphins. He actually thinks the Dolphins have a shot. So Monique, as I kind of went through the schedule with him, I thought that Miami's schedule, and I saw you kind of doing this yesterday, I couldn't really get to find a, a spot where I got to their six or even seven wins. I'm I don't really see that I, I the, the improvement with Miami. I think they are going to have to improve a lot to beat teams like. Tennessee, even a team like the Raiders at Cincinnati. Um, those aren't going to be easy games for them.
5: I agree. I actually read an article yesterday on the Dolphins and it was it was like the Dolphins are going to win eight games or two games. And there was like an argument <laughs> uh, to be made for both sides. And they're one of those teams that are so they're, they're definitely polarizing. I mean, the chalk is on the over six and a half wins. But for me, a lot of the games which I penciled them down to potentially win are road games. So I think I think that's tough. You know, I'd feel a lot more confident if they're playing, for example, Cincinnati at home or Buffalo at home or Indianapolis at home. I'd feel more comfortable. But since those three are road games, it's tough for me to get on board. You know, I have them down at, I think, being pretty generous, six wins, and... You know, there's a lot of sure losses on the schedule, the Jags at Minnesota, uh, Patriots twice at Houston at Green Bay versus Raiders, so I think they have a really tough schedule. I'm curious where Mike sees the wins coming in.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got them winning six out of the first ten games, so I, you know. This
2: will be a fun team to revisit all throughout the year, Mike. This is kind of going to be like your Jags team last year. Mike was super high on the Jags throughout the year, and they, uh... They were able to uh, to make him look smart, so maybe uh, maybe Mike will be will again be talking trash to us, Monique. If the Finns can make some noise, so now let's kind of shift years when we you like uh, the Bucks under the six and a half, the Dolphins under the six and a half, and the Broncos under the six and a half. So three teams totals Other that you're going to go uh, under seven yeah. and a half. Yeah, um, you'll be I under in those. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about this weekend. In particular, I think there are uh, two or three uh, games that you like this weekend.
5: Yeah, so I love opening weekend of NFL. I mean, you've been waiting all year for it, so it's hard not to. But it's one of those things where a lot of the games, the spreads are not what you're going to see them at, you know, if the game were to happen in week six or seven. So I think the best example of that would be the Saints game. I see them at nine-and-a-half point favorites at home versus the Bucks. And if this game was played, I'd say week five or six, this is going to be like a a 15-and-a-half-point spread. So this is one which I feel like just because you don't really know how teams are going to play, yeah, there's a preseason, but, I mean, how much weight do you hold to that? That's one that stood out to me. Uh, they begin week one against a divisional foe, and they know— what we all know how important it is to win those divisional games. I think the Saints will have no problem rushing the ball uh, versus a team that's really struggled in stopping the run. I think they'll give up a lot of touchdowns like they did last year, uh, the Bucks. And this one, I don't really expect it to be close at all, and I think they'll start out week one with a one nothing statement win. So that's one that really stood out to me. Um, I like the Ravens' team total, 23-and-a-half. Uh, defense could definitely bring pressure to the bills. Um, I think a lot of points will come from starting us in good field position. I think the team total at twenty three and a half is a little bit low. I like uh, Jags at Giants. I think this is one of those games which the public is really overreacting to. You know, I think it's an overreaction to the addition of Barkley and Odell's monster contract. I think the Jags are the much better team in here. And I think w- versus a defense that really won't allow very many points in the Jaguars, I think the Giants are going to struggle to put up points. And anytime you're getting three and a half points with the better team, I love that. And then the last one that really stood out to me was uh, Vikings minus six. So as we all know, former Vike, now 49er, Jarek McKinnon is out for the whole year, and that really harms the Niners. I think the Vikings are a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and they've been so dominant at home, and I think, I think they'll definitely take care of business, and I think that's another one which I just find the spread way too low.
2: Monique, the Parlay Queen, with some plays for opening weekend in the NFL: the Saints minus nine and a half, which Mike and I absolutely love. We're very high on the Saints this year. The Ravens team total over twenty-three and a half. The Jags, their three and a half point. uh, The Jags plus three and a half against the uh, the Giants and the Vikings minus the six. They're the Vikings at home minus the six. So plays on the Jags, the Vikings, the Ravens, team totaled over and the Saints. And then for our three season long totals under the wins for Broncos, Dolphins and the Bucks. Monique, we would love to, uh, to touch base with you every week or maybe every other week or as close to as possible because we know this is where you do really well. This is bread and butter time and our fans always give us great feedback. We really appreciate when you come on and, uh, and give us these games and the props.
5: Well, thank you guys so much for having me and hopefully we have a good opening week and then, <laughs> and then maybe we'll be back for week two,
2: but <laughs> got to start off with a bang. Awesome. We know Monique from covers and from America's best racing. So Monique, we will all follow along on Twitter and we'll be talking some, uh, some games with you this weekend. Thank you so much. Thanks Monique.
5: Perfect. Thank you guys so much. Good luck.
2: Thank you. Great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So we got two minutes before closing, Gino, do you have any selections that you want to give out? Yeah, actually I do. It's a good call. Uh, there are two games this weekend that I like, um, I like Tennessee at Miami. There you go, Mikey. We're going to go head up right away because uh, I think the game is really close in the spread. I think Tennessee is like minus one, minus one and a half, something like that. So I think I think Tennessee will win this game, and they'll probably win by three if they do. Um, so that's the game I like. And then Washington on the road is the other game at Arizona. So you'll notice – Washington is one of the teams that I, I like. So in the first couple of weeks of the season, I'll probably be playing their games or being keeping an eye on them before I see maybe they're better, maybe they're worse than I thought, and I'll have to adjust. But I'd play Washington money line at Arizona, and then Tennessee. I would play them. Um, I think Tennessee, you can take the points, and they will beat Miami on the road. My first three selections of the year,
1: and I feel really really good about each of them. Miami getting a point against Tennessee. Ah, uh, we just got Seattle. That day, huh? Seattle getting three against Denver and Dallas getting three against Carolina. So I'm, I'm I'm taking all three underdogs, getting points, teams that I actually have in the playoffs. Each one of these teams as playoff teams that I think are going into the year really, really under the radar or underrated, if you could ever call the Cowboys underrated. so No, they, they are, earlier, though. They're, there's yeah. not
2: a lot of Cowboy buzz this year. No, they? no, you're, they're, you're they're right. right. So, so And yeah, I usually so.
1: like to take a team a year after – they had the buzz because sometimes it takes that year to kind of gel and really, really come together. So, once again, Miami, Seattle, and Dallas, book them and get paid. Good luck Maybe to worry, and We to got speak. about a minute.
2: We got a, a few seconds before we go. My only real worry with Dallas is who are they throwing the ball to now? You know, there's like, are there, is their receiving core strong enough? If they pound and pound and pound, I think they can run the ball very well. I just can Dak take the next step. If he can be rookie season Dak again. Then, then they might be able to. But if let me tell you, when you have.
1: When you have a, an accurate quarterback and a power running game in that O-line, there are some receivers that will emerge.
2: I hope so, because is the line. that's the key. Is the O-line still as good as it was a couple of years ago? It's been a banged-up O-line. Last year, it was a disappointing O-line. So you, if, if they're back to the O-line from a few years ago, and Dak has all the time in the world back there, then it really doesn't matter. He's going to be throwing it to wide-open guys. It doesn't matter who you are. So I agree with you in that sense, but that O-line, I think, is going to be the key for Dallas.
1: Well, we got to wrap. So enjoy your opening weekend, starting off with tonight, everyone. We'll see you at the same place, same time next week, and we'll continue with NFL Talk and hopefully make you some money. Have a great sports weekend, everyone.
0: Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.